0: It's wonderful to be able to share with you today as we begin our sermon series that will lead us through Advent up till Christmas called Unlikely Advent as we're looking at how unlikely the ways God encounters us are and how we can become sensitive to how God is encountering us in ways that that we might not expect and seeking to Bless us. I was reminded of just so many unlikely blessings uh, this week and unlikely things that go on in our world. Many of you gathered for Thanksgiving dinner and you have all the fixings out and then you have one that I hope you, I hope everybody got to have sweet potato casserole. I love sweet potato casserole casserole. And here's what I love about it. Often, not this year, but often I'm the one to fix it for our family. And if you've seen the recipe for sweet potato casserole, it's like take one sweet potato, take a pound of brown sugar, take a pound of butter and bake it. But here's the thing. We don't call it sweet potato pie. We, we don't call it sweet potato pudding. We call it sweet potato casserole. And because we call it casserole, that means it's a starch, not a dessert. Right. And it's good for us. Unlikely. Right. But good for us. Also, also we were were driving up to Thanksgiving dinner and we're we're going and we've got the radio on the the country station. And, you know, these radios are crazy today. Uh, Can anyone remember the radios that used to have you had the dial? right? And you had to get the dial just right. And then like, instead of having like your favorite saved, you had these four buttons and you had to pull the button out and push it back in at just the right time. But sometimes when you pulled the button out, it shook your whole radio and it got off. You had to put it back on, push the button. You know, the, the young whippersnappers among us don't, don't remember that. Uh, but, but some of us remember that. Well, today they have, ra- this blows my, they have radios that when it's playing the song, it tells you who the artist is. It tells you the title of the song and we're, we're going up, we're listening to the country and de- there is a country singer named Jelly Roll. <laughs> like seriously, like for, you can Google it, it's real and, and he's popular uh, and, and un, 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 unlike, unlikely stuff. But you know the most unlikely thing of all, the most unlikely thing uh, of, of all is that you're here. Not that you're here at this church, but that you exist. Can you, um, what are the odds? What are the odds that there would be a planet that was the perfect distance from a star? And what would be the odds that in that planet's solar system, there would be these what's called gas giant planets that would be further away than that planet. So they could collect with their gravitational pulls all the asteroids that otherwise would come in and destroy that planet and any chance of life on that planet. And what are the chances that on that planet that happened to be the perfect distance from the sun, there also happened to be the perfect combination of carbon and oxygen uh, where, where water could exist and that there would, there would develop over time this thing called an atmosphere and, and then that there would be people like you. And, and that for thousands of years, all your grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-great-grandparents that the right two people just might happen to fall in love or let's be honest, for most of history, they would happen to be in an arranged marriage together. Um, but the, those, what are the odds of you? The odds of you actually existing are less than the odds of you winning the Powerball lottery 10 times in a row. We are all already lottery winners in this room. We've all already been given more than unlikely blessings than we could ever dream up on our own. And then add to all that, add to the fact of your mere existence that there would be a God And that this God would would look down uh, and this God who had everything and this God who has all power and all glory, who knows everything, who is all good, that this God would say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create creatures in my image and I'm going to create them beautiful and I'm going to create them lovely and able to love and I'm going to create something that can hurt me. I'm going to create something so beautiful and so lovely and I'm going to give it free will and I'm going to create something that even though I have everything, I'm going to create the ability for me to hurt because of what these creatures might do. And then not just that, but when they hurt me, what I'll do is I will go and I will be with them. In fact, I will become human like them and I will let them hurt me more. I will give up a throne of glory for a cradle in the dirt. That's what I'll do for a manger that they used to feed animals out of. That'll be my cradle. And ultimately, a dusty cross will be my destiny so that they will know that there's a love that chases after them, that they can turn away from, but that they can never outrun because I'm behind them, I'm before them, I'm all around them with this. What are the chances? I, I, want you, I want you to know today, sometimes when we encounter struggles in life, we get to a point where we can't see how God's gonna work it out. And what that makes us like is almost everyone in this Bible The Hebrew people who were led out of Egypt, they didn't know the Red Sea was going to part. They were just trying to get away from the Egyptians. And they were going to keep going and trust God to work something out. The disciples who followed Jesus, they all misunderstood him. If you're like, well, I don't know my Bible that well. I don't know if Jesus would want much to do with me. I didn't pay attention in Sunday school as a kid or I didn't even go to Sunday school as a kid. All the disciples he called, they they thought he was going to be a a political leader. They thought he was going to be emperor or king and uh, they were going to be his cabinet and it was going to look very different than that. But he still used them. He 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 still called them. God does that for us and I ask you to remember that just because you can't conceive it doesn't mean God can't achieve it. You can't conceive how it's going to happen. That's okay. That's why God's God. But that doesn't mean God can't do it. Today when we lit the Advent candle. Uh, The Slomer family came up and you heard them talk about we light this candle in hope. The first Sunday of Advent is the Sunday of hope and it's we call it the Sunday of hope because it's the Sunday when we remember the Old Testament prophets who came before Jesus and we remember how they prophesied that God was going to come and do a new thing. And many of us are at a point where we need God to come and do a new thing in our lives because we've gotten into some, some dead ends. And we light this candle because of that hope that that's what God does. And we also celebrate today the last prophet to come before Jesus. And that was John the Baptist. Our story from the Bible today is about his parents, Zachariah and Elizabeth. And I hope you will not just hear this story, but I hope you'll read it for yourself. We have a Bible reading plan here at Concord that will go along with this story throughout this week that will help you see how God's working in unlikely ways to to bring hope. You can find that at concordunited.org slash Bible, uh, along with a daily devotion, or you can Pick one up at the information center. I hope you'll do that because we have to be constantly reminded hey, here's how God works. Because in our heads, we decide, hey, it can't be. And what if God was working and we just walked by it and, and didn't see it? So we want to look into how Zechariah and Elizabeth were surprised by God, how they found hope in an unlikely place. I want to let you know who they are. There were two people. Uh, li- living uh, uh, a little bit before the, what we would call year zero. They didn't call it year zero. They had no idea it was year zero. But they, they were living ar- around that time and they tried to be the best Jewish people they knew how to be. He was actually a priest, worked in the temple some, Priests in those years, if you were a priest who was selected to work in the temple, that meant you worked in the temple two weeks out of of the year. Now, you had your family farm, family business. The rest of the time, you might serve some in your local synagogue. But you went to the temple in Jerusalem. And it was your job to be there, to be serving, to be leading the prayers of the people for two weeks out of of the year. And then perhaps once in your lifetime, you would be selected by... As the priest who would go perform uh, the highest and the holiest act of the whole religion. And that was to enter the very inner room of uh, the temple. Uh, the holy of holies, uh, where the ark of the covenant had, had been kept and where incense would be burned. And it was sim- the incense burning w- and the smoke rising was symbolic of the people's prayers ascending to, to God. And so on behalf of all the people, just you, just one priest once in that priest's life would go into that room and you'd, you'd offer the incense and the prayers on behalf of all the people. And then then you'd come out and this is what Zechariah is preparing to do and we're going to read about how it happens but I have to tell you life hadn't been working out the way Zechariah and Elizabeth had prayed for. Things weren't great in the Jewish religion at the time. There were some leaders in the Jewish religion at that point who didn't even believe in God anymore. They just were a part of that religion uh, because they felt it was helpful to have a religion to unify the people politically. Those people were called the the Sadducees uh, because they didn't believe in God and eternal life. That's why they were sad, you see. Thank you. I enjoy that every year. Uh, Come back next year, I'll tell the same joke. You'll enjoy it too. It gets better with age. Well, they had that going on, a a split division with, can you imagine religious people being divided? Division, I know, shocking. Divisions in in their religion uh, and uh, their nation. Uh, which at that time, no separation of church and state, right? Their nation that was based on this religion, that was based on being the people who were assigned to let the whole world know about the one true God, things weren't going well. They weren't even a sovereign nation. Uh, they, They were under the Roman empire and the Romans let them keep some of their culture, but the Romans were in control and anything they did that the Romans didn't like, the Romans could put a stop to very, very quickly. Well, As we look at their personal life, they also had a lot of disappointments there. Uh, They hadn't been able to have kids. They dreamed of this big family they they were going to have. A lot of children running around. Hadn't worked out that way for them. But they did the best they could with the hand they were dealt. And they kept trying to be faithful as they knew how to be faithful. So Zachariah goes to fulfill his duty in the temple. And this is the year, this is the year that he gets to go in. To the Holy of Holies, and we're going to pick up right there uh, with Luke chapter one, verse. um, We'll pick up with verse eleven. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him. Do not be afraid, Zachariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Lord. Eli- all right. Uh, we're, we're preaching about God in unlikely ways, right? I'm a, I, think, I think we're okay. I have not gotten any emergency texts. I think we can go on uh, with, 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 our, with our service. Okay, so uh, th- this is where in class the teacher says, I need you back with me. Like you were there, now we're back here, right? Need you back with me. Okay, so Elijah's in there, and then we're gonna pick up with verse 17, uh, talking about his future son, John the Baptist. The spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So this angel appears to him. Then, verse 18, Zachariah said to the angel, How will I know that this is so? For I am an old man, and my, my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to you to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Now, I want to pause right there for a minute and tell you something, the Bible tells us a number of things about angels. Generally when people encounter them, they're afraid. Apparently angels are Uh, awe-inspiring. We know angels are messengers of God. We don't know much about really if angels have individual personalities like we do. I kind of assume they do. And when I read this, I think angel Gabriel, when he encountered Zechariah, I think he was grumpy. Uh, Honestly, I, I think Gabriel was stressed out. Because if you read further in Luke, uh, that afternoon or maybe the next day, Gabriel had to go talk to Mary. And this would be the highlight of Gabriel's ministerial career, right? Gabriel, Really the, one of the highlights of history. Gabriel's going to go talk. I think Gabriel was stressed about that because you'll notice when Gabriel talks to Mary and we're we're going to talk about that in a a couple weeks when Gabriel talks to Mary and Mary's like oh how can this be Gabriel's like oh it's okay don't worry God's going to work it out but when Zachariah just a little bit before is like how can this be Gabriel's like I'm Gabriel you know who I am I'm Gabriel I'll stand in the presence of God how dare you disrespect me I'll tell you what I'll do. God will work it out, but you're gonna be mute. This is like when you're a kid and you go down for breakfast and your parent is stressed about work, right? And you say the wrong thing and it all comes out on you, right? Uh, So uh, Gabriel uh, gets upset, tells Zachariah, tell you what, God's still gonna do this. You're not gonna be able to talk uh, because I'm irritated with with, with you. Now, we're gonna pick up with verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah and wondering at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them and they realized he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. Okay, so what's, what's happening there? God encounters them in this unlikely way. And not just to bless them, but to bless the world through this child that they'll receive, this child named John the Baptist. And remember that big description. Most of what we just read was Gabriel's description of who John the Baptist is. And it says that he will go before him and he will prepare the people for the Lord. That's that's what John the Baptist does. That's what God's doing through Zechariah and Elizabeth, he's sending John the Baptist to prepare the people for Jesus. And for us as Christians today, that's a lot of what God calls us to do. We can't actually force people to accept Jesus. If you try, it doesn't work well. People have tried a lot. You can't force it. Uh, You can't make somebody. But what you can do is you can help people prepare you can say, hey, this is the difference Christ has made in my life. Hey, when I encountered a similar situation, this is what I saw God doing. We, we can't force someone uh, to say, hey, maybe I'm not perfect and maybe I need to be forgiven. We can't force someone to say maybe i need to seek what god wants for me rather than what just what i want in this moment we can't force somebody to say maybe there's a creator who put all this together if they they just don't want to even entertain that notion but we we can help them prepare to see god in unlikely places we can help each other prepare to see god and to be sensitive to what god's doing in those unlikely ways because just as God sent John the Baptist to prepare the way, God still uses Christians to do the exact same thing today. That's, that's what God uses us for. I got a call this week from a lady in our church. She said, I have to tell you about what, what happened. Uh, she was going shopping. Now, this was uh, before uh, Thanksgiving, uh, so her, her odds of injury while shopping were, were greatly decreased. Uh, but she went and she was busy, she had a lot of things to do that day. She noticed one of the workers in the stores just, he had a worried look on his face. And she thought, well, well, that's odd. And, and she just couldn't get it out of her mind. So she said, I'm, I'm just gonna go talk to him. So she went and she started talking to him. And he was just going through a hard time. And you ever go through, you know, a lot of times you go to work, you go to school, things are hard, but like you put that smile on your face and you're like, maybe if I act happy, I'll convince myself I'm happy. Or at least I won't bring other people down. And then do you ever have those days where like, you try, gosh, you try to put that smile on and it just won't go. Or you just feel like you're smiling, but other people see right through it. Well, this young man was was having one of those days. And he began to share with her a little bit about what was going on. And uh, she said, uh, she said, honey, I... I haven't been in the situation you're in, but when I've been in really tough situations, my church has helped me a lot. And he said, you know, I I used to go to church, but these religious people in my church, they got into disagreements and I got sick of it. And she said, religious people disagree, shocking, right? But she she, she actually knew the church. It was another Methodist church nearby. And she said, do you think maybe you could put that aside and maybe you could go back and, and give that, Give that church a try uh, to, to help you. And th- he said, you know, maybe, maybe that's what I need to do. And then uh, she came to the church because she wanted to pick up a devotional booklet to take to him the next day to, to give to him. And, and I don't know how all that is going to work out. My, my hope is that, you know, in a couple of weeks, we tried him out on stage and he's like, hey guys, I don't know, but she was ready. And one of the prayers I encourage you to pray is God make me sensitive when you place someone in my life that you want me to talk to. That you want me to bless. That you want me to witness to. Make me sensitive to that moment. Because God was working on her. She had this uneasy feeling like I shouldn't leave the store until I have this conversation. And because of it she got to have this conversation with this person who really needed it that day. And then As we look at what we learn from Elizabeth and Zechariah, we learn that Zechariah was encountered by an angel as he was praying. It is not a coincidence that this happened during prayer. Uh, Prayer is one of those things that God gives us, that God says, don't worry, I will encounter you in unlikely ways, but if you are praying, you will be much more likely to recognize me. When, when I encounter you. I mean, think about prayer. Think about how unlikely the practice of prayer is. Externally, prayer is just a waste of time, right? It may, maybe, you know, externally, some people think prayer was just thought up by introverts who wanted a break in the conversation. Unless there's a God who speaks to us through it, prayer is a waste of time. Unless there's, prayer is a waste of time. And yet, what's Christianity based on? Prayer. What did Jesus say the temple was supposed to be? A house of prayer. What is almost every major world religion based on? Prayer, how's that happened? We people, we like getting stuff done. Why would people take time out to do something that looks worthless and useless and wasteful with time like prayer unless God speaks through it? Unless consistently through the centuries people have encountered God in unlikely ways through prayer. So I created this little phrase for you to remember. And my kids are gonna make fun of me because of it, because they're like, dad, you do these little corny rhymes. And I'm like, yeah, I do, that's what I do. Um, but the power of prayer is beyond compare. It just is. Uh, it's a cliche, but it's true. And it's something we need to remember that there's no power like that. There's, there's just no power like that. I just reminded this uh, again this week, we had uh, another lady in our church and I'm gonna to refer to her as the church lady Because she would not give me permission to use her name uh, because she's humble like that. So she will will be known as the church lady. But she has a family member. And uh, this family member, young lady, uh, went off to college, met this man, wanted to get married. Not that unusual. What was unusual was the man she fell in love with was not a Christian. He was a Muslim. A very nice man, very faithful man, but not of her religion. And she decided to to get married and eventually she converted to to his religion. Well, her parents didn't quite know what to do with that. I don't know that I'd quite know what to do with that. Uh, But um, what they chose to do with that was they chose to basically disown her and quit contacting her. Uh, And this church lady was the one of only two family members who throughout the years chose to stay in touch with her and chose to call her and chose to send birthday cards and Christmas cards and all those things we do to keep people together in the family and chose to tell her how much she loved her and how proud she was of her and to ask about her family. That's, that's what she did. Well, recently, the husband went to the doctor and he was having heart issues and they did a few tests, and they said, this isn't good. Uh, we're not even sure we can operate this. You, you, might, you might be about at the end of it. He was scared. He was nervous, uh, and he, he asked his wife, and, and he's, he's a man. He's raised in the Muslim religion. He tried to do his best, do what he was taught as a kid. Person of prayer, prays five times a day as, the, as they're taught in that tradition, and he said, I, I, I'm scared. I, I need people praying for me. The only person she knew to call uh, was this lady from the church. So she calls. And of course, the, the church lady prays for her. But she also put her on our church prayer list. Well, our whole church has been praying for this family. So they... They go back to the doctor for the follow-up, for the more advanced test. Go there all day long, test, 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 test. You've, you've been there, so, some of you. They come out and they say, you know what? We figured it out. It's not as bad as we thought. We can deal with this. Not gonna be fun, but we can deal with it. That Muslim man walked out and he told his wife, you have to contact your relative. She's the only one. I know who was praying for me through all this. And I think that's why it's gone well. Now, there's this man. And he knows, what he knew in his life of Christians was that if you marry your daughter, their daughter, they'll disown them. And now what he knows of Christians is that there's a lady who would pray for me and got her whole church to do the same in my greatest moment of need. This power of prayer is one of the big ways that we share the love of Christ, that we encounter the love of Christ and that we find hope. Because sometimes we look around and we see the challenges we're up against and we're like, I don't see it. I just, I don't see the path out. I don't see the path through. I don't see how this is, is going to work out. And prayer is where we allow God to come in and God to say, And a lot of times what God says isn't, hey, here's how I'm going to do it. That's rarely what God says. Usually what God says is, trust me, there's a path. Just just trust me, there's a path. And that's why we celebrate hope. And if you take nothing else with you today, what I want you to take with you is that if all you've got left is hope, you've still got a lot. That's still enough you don't have to see how it all works out all you've got to do is have hope and you've still got enough to get through that's what Zachariah and Elizabeth had they couldn't see how life was going to work out they couldn't see how their religion which was supposed to make the one true God known to the earth was going to fulfill that purpose they couldn't see how their family was going to be anything more than the two of them and how their family was gonna leave a legacy. They couldn't see all that, but that's, that, that's okay. God, God, had, God had a plan. Well, we find hope sometimes in the strangest places. I've, I learned this again uh, this week, through the radio, in, in fact, <coughs> through, through a country station. And uh, there's a man in our church, his name's Joey Tact. He's one of the DJs at WIVK 1077, one of the country stations in town. Well, on his morning show, he had a young boy and what happened was they were doing something at the station and that was they were having uh, people write cards and they'd take them to the station. They were cards for the troops who were serving overseas, uh, Christmas cards. Well, one morning he walks in and there's like this plastic bag at the door and somebody overnight had dropped off 136 cards, handwritten. for for the troops and he thought this is amazing and he wanted to know, well, I wonder who wrote all those. Well, turned out it was this boy, Preston, who's in children's hospital with stage four cancer. And Preston wanted to write these cards. So this year, uh, there are gonna be troops serving overseas, some of whom are in harm's way, uh, some of whom it might be their first year away from family for Christmas, and they're gonna receive a card from a 12-year-old with cancer. To 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 give to give them hope, but uh, more than that, uh, what 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 you learn about Preston is that uh, Preston's about to get to go home from the hospital. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's because there's not a whole lot more they can do there. And Preston says, "You know, I'm not just writing for the troops." And Joey was interviewing him. He said, "You're not." He said, "No." He goes, "I wrote 130 some for the troops." people he admired. He said, but um, I also wrote 200 for the inmates of my county prison. He said, why did you write for the inmates of the county prison? He said, because I figured they might not have family to write to them and they might not know that God loves them and they might not know that they have another chance. And he wanted them to know. He wanted them to have hope that there's a 12-year-old who may not reach 13 and he believes that there's a chance for people who have had many more years than that and haven't uh, been wise with those years. He still thinks God has something great for them. He, he wants others to know about it. And oh, here's, here's something else. You, should, you, know, you know who his favorite country singer is, Preston? Jelly Roll. Like, that's his favorite singer. And he and Jelly Roll got to go to the UT Vandy game uh, or the UT Vandy fight, uh, depending on uh, what quarter you were watching yesterday. Got got to go to that together. Can you imagine being in prison and you get a card from a 12-year-old, right? You don't know who cared enough to send that to you. Now, can you imagine being in a prison of your own making, a prison uh, where you've made decisions that uh, maybe weren't the best, a prison that you don't see the way out of. And here's this God. And instead of condemning you, this God comes to earth to walk beside you. And instead of giving up on you, uh, this God teaches you. And instead of abandoning you, this God goes to the cross for you. That's, That's what we celebrate. That's why we're here. That's that's why we have hope. Because the the message of Advent is that you can turn away from God, but God won't turn away from you. He will go the greatest distance. He will go from from heaven to earth to get to you. Uh, You can run from God's love, but God's love will run after you. And God's love, wherever you're running to, God's love will already get there before you. That's that that's what Advent says to us. That Advent says that you might be in the complete darkness but there's a dawn that's coming and you need to know that. And once you know it, you need to let others know it. Because even if all you've got is hope, you've still got a lot. Let's pray. Gracious God, we come before you today and we ask you to help us live as people of hope. We thank you for sending your son into the middle of the messiness of our world and our lives. We thank you for never giving up on us, but for running after us even when we have run from you. When we were the people who refused to accept you, you opened up your arms to accept us. Teach us, Lord, to look for you every day, to look for your forgiveness, your mercy, your love, your guidance, your grace and God help us prepare not only our hearts but help us be those who help prepare the way in the lives of others through our lives through our conversations through the people you place before us and the way in which we seek to love and bless others as you have loved and blessed us. We pray this in the name of your son Jesus the Christ and we all said together Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org.